Hello, humans. Welcome to Not You, Guillermo, what we do in the Shadows podcast, brought to you by The Dip. I'm Patrick Monahan, And I'm Nicole Conlon. This week, we're going to recap episodes one and two of season three of What We Do in the Shadows. Let's dive in, shall we? So episode one is called The Prisoner. This is when we find out kind of what's happening with everyone after the crazy events of the end of season two. And uh, we open, it's been about a month since the big uh, bloodbath. Guillermo is in jail in the basement in a, in a cage that uh, it's mm-hmm. re- remarkably built out dungeon they have for a, a house in Staten Island, I have to say. And uh, he's been in there and they are trying to figure out what to do. True to form, the rest of the house can't come to a decision on something. And uh, basically... The sticking point is Nandor, who doesn't necessarily, you know, he, he respects that Guillermo, as a fellow warrior, I guess, uh, stuck up for them. Mm-hmm. And everyone else is ready to distance themselves as soon as possible to uh, keep themselves. I mean, distance themselves is putting it lightly. They're ready to kill Guillermo. Yes. But even, even even in the way they talk, they're like, you know, Nandor is yeah. familiar versus our familiar and that kind of stuff. So, that yeah, it's mm-hmm. pretty clear where the divide is. They do feed him. Uh, they throw <laughs> They throw uncooked chicken breast packs at him. That's his, uh, that's his food while he's down there. And he also has the yoo-hoos that were in the mini fridge. Yes, that's right. It turns out uh, he has a very easy way to remove part of the cage and go out. And what he's been doing when he's been escaping, instead of escaping the property entirely, is doing all of the house tasks that he would normally have to do and occasionally going out to eat. We can talk about something I found very disturbing about when he went out okay, to eat. Okay, I'm glad that you're bringing it up because it was also in my notes because... Should we talk about it now? I mean, it, it, to me, it's the most jarring thing uh, from the episode. It Who probably the fuck not- eats a sandwich by <laughs> cutting into it with a knife and a fork? What on earth, Guillermo? This, to me, th- this has to come back later in the season because it was so shocking. I almost, like, made us rewind to make sure I didn't, like, hallucinate it. Yeah. I it was like a I was doing a list of his like powers like in like the the, the the things that have been going on with him. And that's the one where I had about 100 exclamation points at the end of uh, he, he goes to a I don't know if it's a diner or a fast food place or something. It looks like some kind of burger place, like yeah, whatever and, the Staten Island version of like what a burger is. Yeah. And he sits down and uh, he's got a burger and fries and he primly takes out a knife and fork and begins cutting into the burger, not even cutting into the middle, cutting into like. The, the side. Like it's like piece. he's eating a steak, but it's a hamburger. Yes. So uh, so anyway, that's the main thing that happened this episode. Uh, that's about all we need to talk about. No. Uh, so <laughs> so he's been escaping and, uh, you know, not letting them know that he's been doing that. Eventually, uh, he sees uh, a smoky figure kind of crawling into the house from the outside and runs. Uh, he's, you know, he's set up security cameras around the house yes. to, so he can surveil in case v- vampires come to attack his pals. Right. All he wants to do is protect them. All he wants to do is, you know, basically take care of them, at the, you know, despite everything that's happened. And uh, so he blows his own cover, runs up and says you know, and and starts attacking the uh, smoky uh, special effects monster. And uh, it turns out it's uh, the floating woman, otherwise known as the guide who we met la- uh, the first season, I guess. Right. Uh, played by mm-hmm. Kristen Shaw, yeah. uh, the sort of uh, assistant or office manager of the uh of the Vampiric Council. And 
she has a message from the Supreme Worldwide Vampiric Council. So we're getting a better sense, like we said, of the org chart uh, a little bit. Yes, tons of org chart stuff in this episode. I'm glad that we set up org chart in our first episode because we're going to be touching on that a lot. Yeah. Um, but this also answers the question that we asked in the first episode, which is, are these only tri-state area vampires? And the answer is yes. Yes. The vampires so, that were defeated were from the New York area. Yeah, the... the uh, those were all the, the big shots in the tri-state area, and uh, they, they were the, I guess it's the, I think it's the East Atlantic Vampiric Council is, is sort of the ruling mm-hmm. body over there, uh, over Staten Island. But so anyway, so we have a, a VHS that they play, keeping it classic, I guess, a little more analog. And it's uh, Viago, who is uh, Taiko Atiti from, uh, from the movie and from various other Ever things. Ever heard of him? Yeah, exactly. Listeners? So I guess he's the big boss. Um, I don't know, or he's at least the the mouthpiece for the for the mm-hmm. the supreme worldwide council. And uh, one of our predictions came true. They just uh, moved up in the world, uh, mm-hmm. and that basically is because they were impressed. There was not really a whole lot of uh, deliberating over that. It was just if you kill one vampire, uh, that's like not allowed. But if you kill thirty seven or thirty eight vampires, you know how to get things done. That was the way it was described. So. Uh, they get a promotion. Yeah, it's a real St. Bartholomew's Massacre. That's yes. for nobody. I just learned what St. Bartholomew's Massacre was last week. So <laughs> trying to shove it in where I can. St. Bartholomew's Massacre. Check it out. Uh, Wikipedia, whatever <laughs> you, you know. So, uh, yeah, so that now they're now they're uh, the, the head of the council uh, themselves. And uh, that's basically where. Oh, oh, and then obviously they have to decide what to do with Guillermo. Now they know he's out of the uh, out of the cage. And mm-hmm. after some deliberation. They leave him in a little bit of suspense, and they decide, along with their promotion, they decide to make him a full part of the team. He understandably thinks that means they're going to make him a vampire, and uh, of course not. He is not a vampire. Mm-hmm. He becomes a uh, bodyguard. That is his job. Um, the vampire's bodyguard. Uh, coming to you soon, Samuel Jackson. And then the vampire's wife's bodyguard. Yes, exactly. And then expanding that universe. Yeah. So yeah. So that, that's that's where things stand. He's not a uh, he, he's not becoming a vampire. Uh, we're still at. Uh, does it go down or up? I forget. We're at un, unde- undeathcon or deathcon uh, five, I guess. Right? That's oh the, yeah. That's the low one. Yes, sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> He's at deathcon five, so I think he moves closer to becoming a vampire, but not by much. Okay, so we'll put him at we'll put him at four, I guess, because he was at five okay. before, because they were probably almost at deathcon four. Yeah. By the way, we're saying deathcon with a th, not an f. That's right. Just a little joke for the listeners at home. Yeah, please. When when you have to explain it, uh, that's how you know it's really uh, Mm -hmm. a classic pun. That's where things stand. The end episode. uh, The end episode one. Let's see. What do we? So what do we want to talk about? What are the big takeaways here? Okay. Well, the first thing that I would like to talk about is Colin Robinson is obsessed with Guillermo's shit bucket. (laughs) Yeah, Colin. Colin Robinson is. He kind of is goes off he's like off the rails he's wild this episode like he's very he's much more expressive he kind of yells a lot in a way that he doesn't really otherwise i I guess the stress of the situation gets to him a little bit or something i don't really know what um and yeah we find out that he's a i don't know he's really uh concerned about what's in the bathroom bucket he's got a whole scat thing going i guess now i thought this was going to be like if you ever talk to like a health person and they're like you can actually really learn a lot about like your gut biome if you really closely examine your feces every day and i thought he was gonna use that as a way to like drain like the energy from other people just by this incredibly boring like gut flora conversation but it didn't seem to be that it just seemed like he's really 
into poop play. Yeah, it seems like he's we found something uh, that like the first thing that he actually enjoys that isn't just relate to feeding on people. So mm-hmm. um, that's a peek behind the curtain there, I guess. A little uh, upsetting. I did like that uh, uh, Viago called him uh, Colin Rubinstein, which mm-hmm. he was not impressed by. He kind of got did not did not love that one. Yeah. So Colin Robinson is. Yeah, he's a little bit. Um, I don't know. He, he's we're getting it. He, he was he was. Thrilled to be, you know, like the Milgram experiment, he would be the guy shocking everybody, basically. He he had the, the oh, cattle yeah. prod. Oh, yeah, he also had, he also had like a little cattle prod that he kept trying to use, but he couldn't figure out how to use it, and he kept hurting himself on it, which does pertain to the question of what kills Colin Robinson. And I don't think it's electricity, but electricity apparently hurts him. It annoys him, for sure. He, uh, yes. yeah, he... You know, are you okay? And he said, "No." You know, so um, that's yeah. again. We'll keep we'll keep that in, in our back pocket. If we, if he gets shocked with a cattle prod, it might uh, you know. That might job. be how you defeat Colin Robinson. Yeah, but yeah, he kept he very very kind of imperious. You know, the prisoner will remember. You know, that kind of uh, theatrical wardening, I guess, is what he was doing. Uh, so now, I felt like they were also setting up Laszlo to be much surlier this season. Also, he was very like. Fuck all this. I don't want to do this. I, I didn't become a vampire to become a bureaucrat. That's the best Matt Berry I can do. <laughs> but in episode one, Laszlo says he does not want to be on the throne. He's not one of the three who's fighting for the throne. He, like, lets them take it. Not yeah. his deal. He's super not interested. He um, just wants to, yeah, uh, I think he says uh, kill and or drink blood and fuck forever, I think, is what he, his goals yes. were uh, in becoming yeah. a vampire. And... You know, admirable. I think that's I think that's fair. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of a light, you know, and I think, you know, Laszlo doesn't have a lot to do in the first episode for sure. There's no like Laszlo plot. I mean, there's not really anybody that's off on their own too much, but he's sort of part of the chorus more than like a main, uh, you know, he, we do get him and Nadia give us a good uh, rundown of the different types of hypnosis things that can go wrong, um, mm-hmm. which go beyond the brain scramblies which happened to Sean, their neighbor yes. at the Super Bowl party. There's the what the big purple head. Yeah, that, yeah. And I want to see half, somebody get the big purple head. Half man, half madness, which has an awesome illustration of like a three-headed guy running into a bedroom with a knife, and there's a fire-breathing mm-hmm. dragon or something. So yeah, so so we do get some important information, and we also learn that Guillermo. Uh, I mean, generally, we'll talk about Guillermo like in general here. Uh, but first, like Nadia, you know, she wants to kill Guillermo. So does uh, the doll Nadia, who obviously has the same sort of general takes as Nadia, unsurprisingly. Mm-hmm. Um, but she is disenfranchised by Nandor, um, shamefully. But Nadia, uh, you know, yeah, she wants to be in charge, um, is definitely more into it than Laszlo is. Otherwise, yeah. I, I also like she does a very good um, spooky ooh noise, mm-hmm. which I really which I really enjoy when they were announcing the different things that uh, when they were pronouncing Guillermo's sentence, I guess we'll call it. But yeah, Guillermo. Guillermo Greenberg de la Cruz uh, is... is <laughs> he's... So we've That's learned... That's what they call him. Yes. We've learned that he's uh, unfailingly loyal. We've learned that he um, is apparently immune to vampiric hypnosis now, but he pretends for their benefit. Yes, because they used it too much on him. They wasted it. So he's sort of become inured. It's a little bit of a princess bride poison scenario. Yes, they gave him. Yeah, they gave him. uh, Iocane powder. That's what I'm looking for. Yes. Uh, They asked him, like, hey, pick that thing up. And he said, oh, you know, and that's, yeah, that's not how you want to burn your hypnosis on somebody. But yeah, and he also eats a burger with a fork and knife. So that's sort of the. That's I can't. The I will never get past it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're also seeing sort of an interesting power dynamic between 
uh, Nandor and Nadia because Nandor is, you know, a famous warrior who destroyed Nadia's village. And now he's taken on a much uh, more, like, a, like both in episodes one and two, but we'll just stick to episode one for now. He's much more um, loyal to Guillermo, partially because of the warrior's code that he talks about. Um, he's like a little bit less aggressive in getting the throne. Yeah, he's kind of a little. He's kind of a little sad. It seems like yeah. we see it more in episode two, where we're seeing kind of what everyone's arc is, at least emotionally. Yeah, episode one was a big plot episode just to like resolve everything from last season and set up what like the season long arc is going to be for season three. So there was less time to get into like character stuff because they had so much plot ground to cover. Yeah, they had a lot of uh, ship bucket related content to make sure that they covered <laughs> so <as well>. much. <laughs> Very they important. had to think of God. I wonder if they just have a big dock somewhere that's full of shit euphemisms for Colin Robinson to say. Yeah, Pro, I mean, I'm picturing a whiteboard or something in a writer's room, or, or yeah. yeah, yeah, it's just a just nightmarish. I'm trying to remember some of them. There was one that I really didn't like involving pickles. I can't remember what the full stinky pickles. Don't care for it. Yuck! No, thank yeah. you. Yeah, that's episode one. My favorite moment I think of episode one was at the very beginning when everyone's kind of freaked out and figuring out what's going to happen and Colin just starts rambling and they basically tell him to shut up and he says I guess I should just shut the fuck up then I'm not objecting you can tell he's really under under a lot of stress he's getting more and more aggressive he also was wearing that cream colored suit with a big bow tie the whole time yes which is a little different from normal (laughs) not immune I guess no, we're we're seeing much more of a personality from Colin Robinson. And I don't know if it is some of the lingering effects of him getting so much power in season two, episode seven, I think. Or if this is a, sort of a new development for him. Because he's about to turn 100 this season also. So maybe it's uh, maybe he's feeling a little old. But I don't know. We'll talk more about that after the break. Welcome back. This was a very special week because it, we didn't get one episode. It was a twofer, a twother, if you will. Ah. Um, I wish it, God, it, it's tough to make the F and TH jokes in an audio medium because you can't really, the whole fun is that they sound the same, whatever. Um, regardless, it's a twother uh, and we got a second episode and this one was more able to explore the world once they resolved all of those plot issues kind of open on talking heads uh, with all of them talking about assuming power. Laszlo reiterates that he doesn't want anything to do with it. Nadia vows to, like, beat everybody else aside so that she can take the throne. She's a real vampiric girl boss about it. And then uh, there's a very funny talking head with Nandor with Guillermo standing in the background, and he keeps talking about how he wants to sit on the throne and produce a number two. And he doesn't get why it's funny. I guess presumably vampires don't poop. Maybe that's why Colin Robinson is so obsessed with Guillermo's. Yeah, that's know. a that's an interesting question. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, but Nandor and Nadia are pretending that they're working together. They're kind of like you know co-chairs, or you know, mm-hmm. and what's actually happening is each one is planning on betraying the other one. That's the sort of uh, state of things. Yes, they are. They have resolved to share power, and then they each, in their talking head, tell the camera that. 
they're only doing this until they can seize power for themselves uh, the whole time. So in this episode, we also find out more about the Vampiric Council HQ, which also it's just in like an office building and <laughs> Vampiric Council is clearly labeled on the basement, like on the list of all of the offices and stuff, which is funny. So in the basement, there is this like, oh, there's a what's the name of the room? It's like a it's like a treasure trove of all of this. Mystical yeah, it's stuff. the Chamber of Curiosities. Chamber of Curiosities. Uh, and so there's like a bunch of stuff in there. It is, I think we're going to see in future episodes, there is the world's oldest vampire kept in some sort of chamber the within sire. the chamber. The sire. And he apparently is the vampire from which all other vampires uh, are born, which is so funny that he's in Staten Island for some reason and not in like Transylvania. Yeah. Um, what's the, what's the, I'm picturing for, the guy. For convenience of the plot, he's in Staten Island. <laughs> um, they move them around, you know. Uh, it's yeah. like the it's like the Stanley Cup. <laughs> yes, exactly. And Colin Robinson like opens like the little slot where you put his food or whatever, uh, and he like blows horrible vampire gases at him. And within the chamber is also this thing called the cloak of duplication, which we sort of speculated about last week, but this week we found out that what it is is. Uh, like a person touches it. So in this case, Nandor touched it with his face and then whoever puts the cloak on turns into that person who touched it. So now anybody who wears the cloak looks like Nandor. How this is used in the episode is that uh, Nandor has a gym membership, which we'll talk about in a second. But Nandor has a gym membership and he has fallen in love with the woman, Meg, who works at the front desk. But he clams up whenever he tries to talk to her. So he tries to send Laszlo, who is a real ladies man, to talk to her and then uh, Colin Robinson, uh, Laszlo, and Guillermo all put on the cloak and try to talk to her in turn, and none of them have any success with her. Here's my big question, and we'll get to the rest of the plot of the episode in a second. It's revealed that Guillermo got Nandor this gym membership, and it's a 24-hour gym, which is a fun place for a vampire to be overnight. Massive fitness. Massive fitness, yes. Why did Guillermo get Nandor a gym membership? Nandor has vampire strength that like, I don't think he needs to work out. I think vampires just have it. Yeah. He just, I guess he's just, yeah. He wants him to get out of the house. I guess. Yeah. I guess he can work out some of whatever aggression is kicking around in there. And you get out of that. Maybe he can make, yeah, he can, he kind of wants to make friends in a way yeah. that is not appealing by kind of like <laughs> standing like crotch first over a guy who's trying to bench or whatever. Um, yeah. You know, exactly. I mean, I've been to a lot of gyms where that is sort of how you make friends. Yeah. Well, he is the weird guy. How do you think you He's... offer a spot? You got to just look at some guy's balls. <laughs> it's right there it's when right you're benching. There. So while this plot is happening uh, with Nander's duplicates trying to get a date with Meg and being very offensive and getting thrown out of the gym, Colin Robinson tries negging her. She calls the big buff gym manager. He gets thrown out. Laszlo goes in and he tries showing her some of the most vile pornography she's ever seen because Laszlo has now gone to the chamber's library and it has like all the porn in the history of the world uh she freaks out calls the manager he gets thrown out but he also hypnotizes her so she won't remember anything of what just happened and then guillermo puts on the cloak and goes and they like go out for a smoothie and then he has a very uh honest conversation where he <sighs> pretending to be nandor talks about how he like doesn't appreciate guillermo enough but he does love him in his way but also it's Guillermo talking about Nandor. And so then Meg thinks that Nandor is in love with some guy named Guillermo who he works with. Uh, and then when real Nandor goes back at the end of the episode, Meg is like, oh, I thought you were in love with Guillermo. And he's like, what? Really? Uh, and then she reveals 
throughout every time a man fails in this episode to entice Meg, they come back and they're like, she's clearly not into dudes. Uh, and then at the end, it's revealed that Meg is a lesbian, which is funny. Yeah. Good payoff. Yeah. Very good. Uh, multi, multi-faceted Cyrano de Bergerac uh, situation. Uh-huh. Um, I, yeah, I love the endless patience of the gym employee for getting hit on in increase. Well, I guess decreasingly obnoxious ways, um, you know, mm-hmm. take your pick of whether Collins or Laszlo's is worse. I think Collins is probably worse because he's just straight Collins up Collins is worse because it's it's not even true negging. It's just insults. It's he just opens rude. with, hey, dipshit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, the most important part of all of this that we have to talk about is that uh, Kayvon Novak, who plays Nandor, does impressions of all of his castmates. So it sounds like their voices are coming out of his body and they're incredible. Calm down, toots. So sensitive. Let me cut to the chisel. Please, good lady. I know I came here earlier, but whatever I said, and I don't remember, I wasn't myself. Well, you started by calling me dipshit, so. Proof of naught but mine own delirium. It's been real busy at the moment, and I feel kind of bad because, you know, my my best friend, he actually got me this gym membership, and I don't really use it. So uh, he's called Guillermo, by the way. Yeah. If you're not paying close attention, you would think it was dubbed. Like, you, you wouldn't realize, basically. He nails the mannerisms, and he pitches his voice just enough that it's quite, you know, like, I think Matt Berry has the most distinctive voice, so that's probably the one you would notice if you were kind of half paying attention mm-hmm. that it's not him. But the other two um, are kind of spot on. I believe he does a lot of voice acting work, and I can see why because he's very good. Uh, he's like yeah. a yeah, it's know, like it was shocking. There's a there's an episode of Third Rock from the Sun where uh, Dick and Sally trade bodies and they have to act as each other, and it's amazing. And they only have to do one person for the. For the whole episode, Kayvon had to do three different people. It's wild. He also now at one point, he uh, Nadia and Kristen Shaw, both uh, the gu- the guide, both also put on the cloak of duplication and become Nandor. But I think their voices were dubbed. Yeah, I believe so. Presumably because he, despite being a very talented voice actor, couldn't approximate a woman's voice in the same way that he could with two men, yes. particularly two very distinct women's voices. Yes, I was going to say Christian Shaw in particular. It's like, yeah, I don't know how I, that's, that's, that's a tall order. Yeah, I Good luck say. with that. Um, okay. So while the Jim and Nandor's love life plot is happening on one side, on the other side, uh, Nandor and Nadia have to uh, figure out how to share power. And the first thing that comes up is there is this house full of young vampires who haven't paid like their union dues or whatever. Uh, so Nadia and Nandor go to the house to try to get them to pay their union dues. And Colin Robinson comes along and they make Colin Robinson take notes. And then when they get there, they do a little bit of a good cop, bad cop where Nandor tries to reason with them. He wants to kind of be a vampire of the people and Nadia wants to intimidate them into just paying their dues. Now Um, this is a house full of like, you know, the word hipster has become so overused to have lost all meaning, but it's like a house full of fucking hipster young vampires who they don't feel like they need to abide by the social structures of historical vampire uh, living. You know, my favorite part of this episode is the young energy vampire who's a guy who's really into talking about different strains of weed and drones and just uh, uh, as somebody who's dated various iterations of that guy over the over the past 10 years. 
couldn't have picked a better guy to be an energy vampire. Um, and this guy, like, is thrilled to meet Colin Robinson because Colin Robinson is, like, a legend of, of energy draining. We also, an interesting thing in this episode is Colin Robinson does not know how he became an energy vampire. And neither does the other guy. Neither does the other guy. And we were trying to figure it out last uh, episode. And my theory is that because, like, vampires, to become a vampire, they have to drink your blood and then you have to taste of their blood. I think it's an energy vampire drains you, but then you are inherently so boring that you drain a little bit of them back. And that's the theory that I'm standing by. But apparently you don't remember it. You know, that's the thing, right? Apparently not. It's just a, yeah, there's a point at which you are conscious and an energy vampire, and prior to that is just gone. I don't know. It's yeah. it's pretty it's pretty crazy. Uh, but he still remembers his grandma, obviously, because yes. he summons her in the ghost episode. Well, hope, I don't know. It seems like we're getting enough Colin stuff that hopefully they'll dig more into this, because I do want to know more. Um, and I would I would yeah. like a, I'm going to do a yeah. uh, angry lost style demanding explanation an explanation for things that are not real. I want a real <laughs> scientific Colin's explanation boat. for this. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen Lost, but I've heard enough people talk about it that I can make one Lost reference. How um, does the island move? Explain it with science. It's like it's not real. <laughs> That's the answer. It's magic. Who cares? Okay, and then uh so to resolve the issue with these young vampires like Nandor's really trying to be nice to them. And then Nadia eventually gets frustrated and just rips one of their hearts out. Uh, and then that vampire dies. And then all of the other vampires agree to pay their fee- yeah. their vampire feeds or whatever. Um, so it feels like that uh, was the only way that one was going to go that, uh, you know, they were, yes. they were pretty annoying. They were also, that was like a house full of, if there are Republican vampires, that's like a house that they would make up in their head to get mad at. That's basically <laughs> what. <laughs> yes. Everything about it. We don't believe in your way of doing things, man. And just like very multicultural and uh, yeah, drinking out of a um, doesn't somebody have like a French press for blood or something? I can't remember what the, there's like a there's a one point and they pour into a coffee mug. Oh, and it's, yeah. Maybe a titrate or something. Yeah, it's something. Just, yeah, it's all. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's yeah, it's it's perfectly put together. The guy is fantastically annoying. Um, and uh, that's the only way that was ever going to go down, I feel like. So uh, I, I, yeah. I enjoyed that. And then the episode ends with Nandor tucking himself in for the night uh, and Nadia's there. Uh, and he asks her, do you ever think that there's more to life besides killing? And she says, yes, of course I do. And he says, Really? And she says, no, of course I do not. What are you thinking? And then uh, they yell at each other and he slams the coffin closed and that's blackout. Oh, wait, no. She also, uh, at the very end, she puts on the cloak and that's when she becomes Nandor. And she talks about how he is, how she's like grabbing his dick and balls. And then he in the coffin goes, stop doing that. Uh, and uh, and then that's the end of the episode. But not quite, because in the credits, we see that the sire appears to be breaking out of the uh, room. I don't know if it, I don't know if you caught that. I, I've become I've become conditioned oh, no. by by the Marvel our listeners. Stuff. Our listeners are going to know that I didn't watch the whole thing. <laughs> I uh, I've been conditioned by the the dumb Marvel stuff for the past uh, you know twelve See, here's years. The problem, but I just never let it I go. I have I watched I watched this live, and I ordinarily have like a ten o'clock bedtime. I like Colin Robinson. I'm a morning person, but I was like, no, I'm going to watch this one live. And then I found out it was 11 p.m. And I was like, oh, my God. And I barely made it to the end of episode two. So I didn't stick around for the credits. 
These are the sacrifices week, that we attention. make for you, the listener. Okay, yes. we're out here staying up I way past our bedtime. Two hours later than normal. <laughs> I, I I just want to go back to the the gym sequence because yeah. or, or the the series of attempted pickups because I love that you know there are different reactions to the uh, the the meathead guy that comes out. And first of all, probably my favorite detail of the whole episode is his face is still blurry. You know they don't uh-huh. show his face because. He probably would not sign a release after getting just yeah. completely mashed into the wall by Nandor at uh-huh. the end, I would suspect. Uh-huh. And he's he seemed pretty uninto it when he said, like, get that camera out of my face right at the beginning. But uh yeah, yeah Colin Robinson is uh straight up afraid of him um and is running out yes. the door and hitting the wrong, like trying to go out the end door. <laughs> he falls into the trash can. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh Laszlo is, you know, uh defiant in all basically getting chucked out as well. And then uh, Nandor reacts by after being kind. First of all, they when all real Nandor goes. The real Nandor. They yeah. they all they all after they flame out um, do the little hand twirl. You'll remember nothing uh, move, which not clear if it works or not. I guess if it does work, that's also why, why she, not use it on the guy. But yeah, I'm and, not and a it, vampire. Maybe it's like maybe it has to like regenerate. There's a cooldown yeah. time like in a video game. I mean, if, if it does if it does work, that would explain why she doesn't get pissed off every time he comes in. Um, oh, it for sure works. I just don't know why they can't use it on the big muscle man who throws while he's out. on the like while he's like a foot away and he just stops. He's like, I was gonna yeah. smash something. What? A, what hang on, there's something yeah. was okay. And then uh, Nandor storms out and says, a fucking guy, which I thought was the Yeah, I was just going to say, I love that that has, like, become Nandor's sort of catchphrase. (laughs) Everyone's all just go, this fucking guy. (laughs) (laughs) And that's that's what I say when something annoying happens as well. So, um, yeah, yeah, it fits perfectly. Yeah, I I would spend an entire episode just in the the Chamber of Curiosities uh, because Mm -hmm. I, I... can't imagine all the stuff that's in there that they could just come up with. That would be, you know, obviously Van Helsing's dick is in there. Yep, is the original Van Helsing's penis. And Guillermo holds it and (laughs) is grossed out by it. And Nandor's like, I would like to hold my my great-great-grandfather's penis. Did you think he was going to drop it? I kind of thought he was going to drop it. I thought he was going to drop it. Yeah. He's too smooth. Guillermo's too smooth. We've seen him, like, kill vampires in a flurry of fists and stakes. He's not going to drop a glass penis jar we did see him uh fall off the balcony in the library and crash through we a did. bunch of stuff and then uh laszlo Which was pretty funny laszlo barely reacts to what's happening because he's too busy with the uh porno and then uh at one point he said he, he warns guillermo not to look at it because apparently this yeah, stuff is uh, <laughs> this stuff is so intense you wouldn't be able to handle it this this written word porno and he says uh otherwise it'll be suicide by porno uh which is a, a fun thought yeah. personally also, the one of the books he's reading is called the Nobnomicon, which is great. Yeah. So oh, yeah. Funny. We get a great list of names. I didn't write any of them down, but I do like the uh, Poetics 2. Is that a euphemism? And then he, he no, and then drops the book. And he opens it. No, it's just, it's just Poetics. Roy Cohn, Esquire's 169 Sex Positions from 1954 is very funny. Yes. So that's a, a, quite a collection. I want to know, you know, porno aside... Yeah, all the all the gear in there. Um, as you know, it feels like uh, you know, as somebody who uh, played a lot of video games as a kid, it's very like uh, you know, I want to so many artifacts you want to get at the end of a dungeon in the big chest in Zelda. Yeah. That's basically what I'm picturing. All these different things. <laughs> think yeah. of all the different abilities they can get with all this stuff if they put it in their inventory. It's thrilling to think about. Yeah, it's also just uh, it's just we need a plot for this week. Uh, oh, there's an item here. Uh, deal with it. You know. Yeah. 
It's a very, uh, it's very fun. There's a lot of fun potential there. The energy vampire thing is definitely the thing I want to keep them an eye on because Colin was going to do yeah. research in the in, into his lineage. And I don't really know mm-hmm. where that kind of shook out. He kind of was just talking about it, but he doesn't really seem to know. Um, he says, was I turned or was I, in the words of Stephanie Germanata, born this way is what he. So that's, funny. That's his <laughs> the ultimate question, really. You know, nature and nurture. I guess I, w- I want to know more about the council and about the dues, you know, because these guys are, I guess. Is it like a protection racket? Like, like what are the dues? You know, what's the the threat of the dues is just you have to pay dues or we'll kill you. You know, what what are the benefits of, I guess, being in the vampire organization? Well, probably health insurance, <laughs> collective bargaining. Yeah. Uh, I suspect that there's, I mean, uh, you know, they put on this uh, huge theatrical performance occasionally. That costs money. That's true. I mean, I, they have to have gotten all of their real estate for, you know, creepy uh, Victorian houses with gigantic dungeon basements from somewhere. I think if you, you know, steal too many places, it eventually becomes suspicious to the neighbors. And then you got property taxes and, and you know, a lot of logistical concerns. Yeah. Uh, but also, we don't know exactly. Did, do they say what they're paying in? Are they pay? Is it like you must provide us with uh, virgins or something? Yeah, I don't. Or is it like dollars? Truthfully, I don't. I don't remember. I don't. I don't think they say a method of. I mean, do they take Bitcoin? You know, Bitcoin. There we go. <laughs> uh, I mean, for sure that young energy vampire would, and he'd be happy to tell you about it. Oh yeah, that guy's yeah, uh, yeah. The, yeah, I got a camera drone. People hate it. That was a very good line as well. <laughs> That's a uh, boy. I just a total tangent. I've been going to this co-working space recently, and a guy who works there found out that I'm a writer, and he sent me his screenplay, and it's exactly what you would expect from that kind of guy. And then I ran into him again and he was like, did you like it? I'm thinking about shooting the whole thing on my drone. And I was like, oh, cool. Good for you. You got drained a little bit. (laughs) Oh my God. I didn't even realize it. Yeah. I'm the victim of an, that's not, I'm the energy vampire in this equation and he drained me. Yeah. You trying to drain me, bro? This fucking guy. (laughs) And that is episodes one and two of What We Do in the Shadows. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Next week, we'll be chatting about episode three titled Gale, where apparently an old flame returns and an ancient vehicle is resurrected, some of which we uh, have seen in the trailers. So I'm excited to find out where that goes. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It really helps people find out about the show. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Patty Moe. And follow Nicole on Twitter at, at Nicole Conlin and on Instagram at, at the Nicole Conlin. I don't know why. And if anybody, I gave you the if ads. anybody knows the 14-year-old Australian girl who has at Nicole Conlin and hasn't used it for years, I would love to have that handle. <laughs> uh, FYI, we're making a plea uh, to the universe. Please, if you are in Australia and know the Australian Nicole Conlin, but there's two, one of whom is an adult, and I keep getting emails about her kids from their school. Regardless, <laughs> don't forget to visit thedip.com to stay up to date on all sorts of pop culture. That's thedipp.com. You can follow The Dip on Instagram at The Dip. Bat. One day. One day it's going to work.